morning we are continuing the battleground series as we visit at another battleground from the Old Testament. And as we talked about Old Testament battlegrounds are New Testament inspiration as the Lord shows us how to battle in everyday life as we face the current day enemy in our lives day to day. We learn the strategies of war from the Old Testament battles. And God expects us to deploy those strategies, apply those strategies in the New Testament time that we are living today, in our day-to-day -day life. So we have come already a long way in this series. We covered eight battlegrounds already. And today we are on the ninth battleground and we'll have one more battleground next week before we are done with this series. So before we visit today's battleground, shall we make the declaration of war? Shall we all stand as we read and recite the declaration of war? Shall we go ahead? Are we ready? We declare that we are in war with the kingdom of darkness. Our war is not a physical war as we don't fight against flesh and blood. We will not give up. We will not compromise. We will not lose our focus. We are not alone in this battle. The captain of our army is marching forward. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. In Jesus' name, we declare, we are firm and we engage ourselves in war. Amen. Please be seated. So today we are going to visit another battleground called the battleground of Meresha. Can you say that with me? The battleground of Meresha. This is an attack by the Egyptian Ethiopian army on the nation of Judah and on the king by name Asa. Asa was ruling the kingdom of Judah in those days when an Egyptian army, an Ethiopian army came against the people of God. So we read the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. I believe we need to read the entire chapter of 2 Chronicles chapter 14. If you can turn your Bibles with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 14, we are going to read from verse 1 onwards. So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for ten years. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places, and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. Verse 4. 2 Chronicles 14, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah. And the kingdom was quiet under, quiet under him. And he built fortified cities in Judah for the land had rest. 
he had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Verse 7, therefore he said to Judah, let us build those cities and make walls around them and towers, gates and bars, while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of 300,000. You, you need to keep track of these numbers. They are very significant. 300,000 from Judah and carried shields and spears. And from Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. Then Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. And he came to Maresha. So Asa went out against him, and they set the troops in the battle array in the valley of Zephatha at Maresha. And Asa cried out to the Lord God, Lord his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against the multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Verse 12, so the Lord struck the Ethiopian before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown and they could not recover from they, for they were broken before the Lord and his army and they carried away very much spoil. Then they defeated all the cities around Gerar for the fear of the Lord came upon them and they plundered all the cities for there, there was exceedingly much spoiling, much spoil in them. They also attacked the livestock enclosures and carried off sheep's sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. So we are talking about another battleground the children of Israel faced on that day. That's a battleground of Maresha. Now we need to find out, we need to define a couple of things before we find out what are the strategies the children of God they adopted. Who is Asa? You know, for some of us, this name may be familiar, but not for all of us. So I just thought I will give an introduction about Asa. So Asa was the third king of the kingdom of Judah. You know, if you remember, the kingdom of Israel was divided into two after the, after the leadership of King Solomon. So when King Solomon left the leadership, the kingdom got divided into two. Now two tribes of Jews, so two tribes of Israel, who are they? Judah and Benjamin, they formed the southern kingdom called the kingdom of Judah and the remaining tribes, they formed the northern kingdom called the kingdom of Israel. Now I just want to give an idea about, you know, if you look at these two tables, if you can, I'm not sure whether it's visible to you, but I can just take you through quickly. If you see on top the kingdom of Judah, it's called the southern kingdom, two tribes, and the capital of kingdom of Judah was Jerusalem. And who was the first king? Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the, his predecessor was Solomon. So Solomon's son was Rehoboam and he reigned Judah for 17 years. And eventually if you read the Bible, it says, Bible says he was a wicked king. He was not a good king. And he, of course he had a natural death. And after Rehoboam in the kingdom of Judah, Abijam came and Abijam started ruling, but he could rule only three years. He was the son of his predecessor Rehoboam and he ruled for three years and eventually he ended up in being a bad king and he died. 
And then the third king of the kingdom of Judah was King Asa. And he was the son of Abijam. And how long he reigned? He reigned for 41 long years. And he happened to be a good king. During all this period, most of his lifetime, I would not say all his lifetime, but most of his lifetime, he was a good king and he had a natural death too. And after that, we talked about last week, Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat came into the leadership. Now, remaining 10 tribes went to the northern part of the kingdom and they formed the kingdom of Israel. And we see the first king was Jeroboam. Jeroboam. He did not have a predecessor. Obviously, he was not a son of Solomon. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon and Jeroboam was not the son of Solomon. He ruled the nation for 22 long years in the northern kingdom. And he was the bad king. And he was stricken by God. God brought punishment upon him. Followed by Nebed and followed by Besha and Elah. You know, these are the kings. They ruled the, 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 the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, if you can turn with me, we'll not go there. But in 1 Kings chapter 15, we read a couple of inf- uh, things about King Asa. I want to turn your attention towards that. In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, Jeroboam is the, is the, is the northern kingdom. He ruled for 22 years. In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, Abijam became king over Judah, over the southern kingdom on top. Now he reigned the kingdom of Judah for three years as we know and having Jerusalem as the headquarters. Abijam, Bible says, he walked in the ways of, in, 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 not in the ways of God. He walked all the wicked ways of his father. Now once Abijam, he died, his son Asa became a king over Judah. So all that you need to remember this morning is Asa was the king of Judah. Now in the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, the bottom one, In the 20th year, because he reigned 22 years, the 20th year of Jeroboam, the king of Israel, Asa became a king over Judah. And he reigned for 41 years. He reigned in Jerusalem. Now I want to read one scripture from first, uh, one or two scriptures, two words, the word of God, from 1 Kings chapter 15, verses 13 to 15, if you can come with me. 1 Kings 15, 13 to 15. This is an interesting you know, area where we need to focus a little bit. Bible says, also he removed Maka, his grandmother, from being queen mother. Because, it's, talk, it's talking about Asa. He removed his grandmother's images because she had made an obscene, that means an indecent or offensive image of Asherah. Asherah was worshipped as the mother goddesses of love, sexuality, and war. So, Asa's grandmother made images, they were worshipped, but they were obscene images of mother goddesses of Asherah. Asherah was also believed, if you, if, you, know, you, don't, you don't believe that, but it, Asherah was also believed the wife of God. The wife of Yahweh in those days. Because they had temple even in Jerusalem. Even in everywhere in Israel they had temple of Asherah. Now Asa came down and Bible says Asa cut down her obscene image and burned it by the brook of Kidron. Verse 14, but the high places were not removed fully. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was loyal to the Lord all his days. Verse 15, he also brought into the house of the Lord the things which his father had dedicated and the things which he himself had dedicated, silver, gold, and utensils. 
Now Judah was at peace during the reign, most of the time of reign. You know, in fact, the first 10 years of the reign of Asa, the kingdom of Judah was very peaceful. There was no war at all. We read that in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. We'll not go there. Asa built up the fortified cities, Bible says, and Judah enjoyed a very good time of prosperity in the land of Judah. So the whole nation was blessed because Asa was a godly man. He was ruling the nation in a godly way. God gave victory when the Ethiopian king, or with your Ethiopian commander, I would say, Bible also calls him as, as a Cushite. He came in war against Judah and Asa. We read that in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. We will spend more time in those scriptures. Now listen to me carefully. God gave victory over the Cushite or the Ethiopian commander. So God made them victorious. So Asa's kingdom was flourishing. He was very victorious. But unfortunately, listen to me. In the 35th year of Asa's reign, he made some mistakes. Like Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. He made some mistakes at the 35th year of his reign. Now when King Basha of Israel, he fortified Ramah because he wanted to isolate that place from the territory of Judah. And Asa could not fight against him alone and he went and made a treaty with Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram. And Ben-Hadad was a wicked king. He was not a godly king. And God was not really pleased in this, in this you know, relationship, partnership they made. Asa made with Ben-Hadad. Now God sent his prophets, prophet as usual. Hanani, the seer, visited Asa. And he reminded him how God, in a very godly way, how he conquered the Cushites or the Ethiopians when they came against Asa. Now he chastised Asa for relying on Ben-Hadad instead of God. Now Asa should have repented to God, but instead of repenting, he turned against God. Listen to me carefully. He turned against God. He became angry with God. Not only he became angry with the prophet, he also became angry with some of the people of God and he started oppressing those people of God. For the remainder of Asa's reign, his kingdom as was, was at war. Now we talked about the 35th year. Now in the 39th year of Asa's reign, he got a severe foot disease. And he could not recover from the foot disease. He continued to manage by looking at the physician, but he never came back to God. Such a godly, God, godly king who ruled the nation of Judah for such a long time, he failed to come back to God. And Asa eventually died at the age of 40, at, at, the, at his reign of 41st year of his reign. Asa died and he was buried with great honor, of course. And this morning we are talking about the king of Asa and who was, who came against king of Asa, the Ethiopians. Now we are going to find out who are these enemies that we are talking about. Bible also said that from the scripture portion that we read, Asa's strength in, in chapter 14, verse 18, Second Chronicles, we see that. And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah and who carried shields and spears and from Benjamin 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. So Asa had a mighty army. Now we are going to find out who are these enemies. Second Chronicles, the same chapter, verse 9 talks about the enemy. The enemy's name is Zerah. Zerah is the commander of the Ethiopian or the leader of the Ethiopian army. Now he came against them with an army of how many men? 
Second Chronicles 14.9. How many men? One million men and 300 chariots. And he came to the place called Meresha. Are you with me? So Meresha is the place where the battle is going to take place now. Zerah the Cushite, and as NIV puts it, he's also known as Cushite. The Cushites were the descendants of Ham. Do you know, have any idea who is Ham? Noah's son. Genesis chapter 10 verses 6 to 8 Bible says, The sons of Ham were Cush. From there the Cushites came. Miz Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. Verse 7, the sons of Cush were Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Sabata, Rama, and Sabteka. And the sons of Rama were Seba and Dedan. Verse 8 says, Cush begot Nimrod. He begot, see, he began to be a mighty one on the face of this earth. Now, now the land of Cush, which is in Ethiopia, uh, with, with, within, uh, within, which is in Egypt, in Ethiopia, is mentioned several times in the word of God. Listen to me. And people of Cush, also known as the Cushites. The Cushites are described as tent dwellers. They dwell in the tents. And they were also, they were also raising sheep and camels. You know, they were herdsmen. They are the Cushites. Now here we see Zerah, the Cushite, coming against Ezra, the king of Judah. Now this particular battle is taking place where? In the valley of Zephathah at Meresha. That's the place. Can you say that with me? Zephathah at Meresha. Now there are many battles men are mentioned in the Old Testament. Listen to me. But the largest army assembled was of Zerah, the Ethiopian's army. He had how many? Men, one million, a million experienced soldiers. The Ethiopian really outnumbered Asa's army by double. Listen to me, they were double in strength. You can imagine how easily Asa would have given up. There is you know, no way he can win the double the size of the army. Asa could have you know, given up very easily because he would have become so anxious and so fearful. And he would have let his hands down. But instead, Bible says, immediately Asa turned to God. Verse 10 says, can you read verse 10 with me? So Asa went out against him, and they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephathah at Mereza. Asa was not withdrawing in the battle. He was not giving up. Asa took a step to get himself engaged in the battle. You know, God expects us to engage ourselves in the battle. Are you with me this morning? God wants us to engage ourselves in the spiritual battle that we are going through. We are going to talk about a couple of strategies here. Strategy number one, let the enemy know that you are ready for the battle. So step out. Let the enemy know that you are ready for the battle. So step out. You know, enemy throws fear in our lives. You know, we see the Ethiopian army coming there with the double the size of the army of Ezra, and they were throwing fear at the people of God. But we need to let him know that we are ready for the battle. You know, Ezra was just, even though he was not ready, I want you to imagine, I want you to assume that he was not really ready because he was just looking at the size of the army of the Ethiopian. They were double the size. And he was not ready. 
But you know what he did? He told, he in fact got out and he went for the battle. That's what my Bible says. So let the enemy know that you are ready for the battle. So step out. Please be seated. Asa could have easily withdrawn from the battle and surrendered. But he went against Zerah, the Ethiopian commander. Now even before praying, Bible says he sent his troops there to the valley. He did not pray about it, but he just got out because, you know, he cannot handle the enemy coming and attacking the people of God. You know, today at times, many times we don't worry. Some, something is going on in somebody's life. We don't worry about it. We can't handle it. If you are truly a child of God, you cannot really handle someone else is going through trouble. Amen. We pray for them. We care for them. And Esau was not happy. Ezra did not want to give a chance for the enemy even to think that Ezra is afraid. He did not want to give a chance even to the enemy that he is afraid. We don't want to expose our weaknesses to our enemy. Now we are learning something new this morning, I believe. We don't want to expose our weaknesses to our enemy. When you go for an interview, think about it. When you go for an interview, do you go there and sit and talk about what are the things you do not know? No. You'll really talk about things which you know and also with things which you do not know you as if you talk about as if you know everything. You know, that's how we deal with the interview. We don't do it another way. We don't do it another way because we don't want to expose ourselves, our weaknesses to our enemy. Now when you, and I, want, I just, just, just laughing when I thought about it. When we are running in front of a barking dog, the dog is really going to chase you you keep running before the barking dog the dog will continue to run you know we may not feel that in this nation but you know in our nation so, so we see barking dog everywhere when i visited you know my nation last time every time i need to just walk backward you know i need to just look backward and walk forward how about that because dogs were following i don't know how they identified what passport i'm holding but i don't know the dogs were behind me I need to look behind and walk forward. That was my strategy to deal with those dogs at that time. I don't know. But when you stand and pretend to the dogs as if you are not afraid, the dog will stop. It will run away from you. You know, the devil is much more disgusting and horrible than a barking dog. Do you know that? The devil is, can you say that with me if you have guts? The devil is much more disgusting or horrible than a barking dog. And Bible says, my Bible says, stop fearing and running away from him. Just stand and resist the devil. And what Bible says, he will flee from you. That's all is needed to handle the devil. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. You know, we are Christians. We are not just Christians. We are blood-bought Christians. We are children of God. Why are we getting afraid? I'm talking to you. To you. To you. Why are we getting afraid for small things and simple things in our lives? When Jairus came to know that her daughter died, Jesus delayed healing the woman with the issue of blood. By the time Jairus' daughter died, Jesus told him, Luke chapter 8, 50, Do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. What, what was the command? Do not be 
afraid. That fear, if Jairus would have got afraid, that fear will prevent a miracle. You know, when we have afraid, fear in our hearts, when we are afraid of something that will happen, we think that it is going to happen, the miracle is stopped already. God is telling us this morning, do not be afraid of anything. Fear cripples us. It, it stops us from doing many things. Fear really cripples, cripples us. You know, as a child of God, we cannot move forward. We cannot do this. I cannot do this. I'm not equipped to do this. I cannot handle this situation. How do I foresee? How, you know, how do I do all these kind of things in my life? Fear cripples our lives. I ended up in writing this quote this morning. It says, as we read, when Peter walked on the water, he did not think about his weaknesses. He didn't apply the law of flotation. He did not even think about the consequences if it doesn't work. That is stepping out in faith. I want you to take this and apply in your life. He never thought about his weaknesses. Yes, he had weaknesses. He could not even believe. He had a very feeble faith. He never thought about that weaknesses. Those of his weaknesses, he didn't apply the law of rotation there. He was trying to, not trying to find it out scientifically and logically. Logic doesn't really work when God works in our lives. Miracles are not logical things, are not scientific things. It's beyond. It's just beyond. And he didn't even think about the consequences. If I sink in the water, what will happen to me? He didn't even think about it. He just stepped out. That is what is faith. God is expecting us. Strategy number one, let the enemy know that you are ready for the battle. So stop. Sorry, step out in faith. Strategy number two. It's very interesting to find out this story. The way, you know, Asa is approaching this war. Strategy number two. Settle your weaknesses with the Lord. Don't expose them to your enemy. Can you read that with me? Settle your weaknesses with the Lord. Don't expose them to your enemy. Asa knew that he cannot win the battle. He cannot buy his strength. He knew for very sure. Because he knew his weaknesses. As a king, as a commander, he knows the strength of his army. And when he compared his strength with the strength of, strength of Zerah, the Ethiopian, he knew very well that he cannot win the battle. You know, God knows our weaknesses. God knows the kind of weakness that we have. The kind of little faith that we have in our lives. God knows about it. God is asking us to settle those things with God. But don't expose your weaknesses to your enemy. I want to read a couple of scriptures here. Second Chronicles chapter 14 verse 11. And Ezra cried out to the Lord his God. He stepped out. He sent his troops to the valley of Zephthah. And in the valley of Zephthah they are all lined up for ready for the battle. And now Ezra cried out to the Lord God. And said Lord. You know it's a beautiful prayer. It is nothing for you to help. Whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us. Can you read that with me along? Oh Lord our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. Oh Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. I want to read it from the, the Living Bible, Second Chronicles 14:11. Again, we are reading from the Living Bible. Bible says, Oh Lord, he cried out to God, no one else can help us. Here we are, powerless against this mighty army. Oh, help us, Lord our God, for we trust in you alone to rescue us. And in your name we attack this vast horde, means crowd or multitude. Don't let mere men defeat you. 
A beautiful prayer that he prayed to God. And this is what he said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help. Listen to me. Either we may be strong or we may be weak. We may be few or we may be many. Lord, it is just nothing for you. That simply means, Lord, it is easy for you. He recognized, he acknowledged the power of God. And he said, we trust in you, Lord. And he said, in your name, O God, we are going to attack the enemy. You know, victory comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. We learned that in many times in the previous battles, always victory came in the name of the Lord. And he says, don't let man prevail against you. Because he says, ultimately, the glory has to go to God. In every battle we saw, the glory belongs to God, not to man. Man cannot take any glory. You know, the devil really doesn't want us to know. Or really, the devil doesn't know our weaknesses and our dependency on God. We don't need to expose our weaknesses to our enemy. You know, we need to be careful when we share our weaknesses with somebody. Some people really, they can't wait for an opportunity. When we share with our weaknesses with somebody, you know, we are inviting attention from people. Do not share your weaknesses with everybody. At times people are trying to attack us and they are trying to really attack us in our weak spots. So never expose that weak spots to people. Listen to me carefully. There's a spiritual sense to all this, what I'm talking about this morning. If you tell your weaknesses to man, he will judge you based on what you told. So we need to be careful when we tell, express our weaknesses, expose our, that doesn't mean that you don't share your prayer request to others. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the believers, your friends on whom you trust. I'm not talking about those people, but I'm talking about people around. I'm talking about your enemies. We have enemies today. We have enemies. And if you share your weaknesses to man, that's what comes in his mind when the moment you see him. Moment, moment he sees you, that's what comes in his mind or her mind when you share about your weaknesses. If you expose your weaknesses to people, they will treat you based on what you said. We need to be careful in workplaces. You know, some of us really mess up there. We need to have wisdom. We need to have wisdom. But Bible says, as Ezra points out here, saying that, tell your weaknesses to whom? God. He will understand because he will not judge you. He will not judge you. As I went out for the battle, and if he is, as if you know, he is fully equipped to handle Zerah, whereas he is not. He told the enemy that he is ready. But he told God, I'm unable, Lord. I'm not able to handle, Lord. He looked at the enemy and said, Come on, I'm ready for the battle. Look at David. Exactly the same thing he did. Little boy standing before Goliath and he said, I'm ready for the battle. I'm willing to face you. But to be true, he was not. He needed to use the name of the Lord. You know, we are not able to handle the situation, but our God is. Some of those difficult moments are not, are, you know, are nothing for God to handle. He can handle it easily. Some of those future events that we are afraid of, you know, we are always concerned about, we are always anxious about, is nothing for God. He can handle them easily. Amen? Ezra knew that, so he gave it to God. Bible says in verse 12, so the Lord struck the Egyptians before Ezra and Judah. Nothing else. Just the Lord God struck the 
Egyptians. You know, that's how our enemies are going to fall. That's how those things that are threatening you is going to fall because God's hand is on those things. Amen. God's hand is already on those things. The Ethiopians fled. So it was not a battle of man, but it was a battle of God. Amen. It was a battle of God. Bible says also verses 12 to 15 I would like to read. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them in Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown and they could not recover. For they were broken before the Lord and his army. They were broken totally. And they ran from the presence of Asa and his, uh, and his army. We talked about strategy number two. Settle your weaknesses with the Lord. Don't expose them to your enemy. Strategy number three, the final one today. Your personal revelation of God is the secret of victory. You can read with me again. Your personal revelation of God is the secret of victory. You know, this is more spiritual. Not many understand this. But I can help you this morning to understand this. Your personal revelation of God is the secret of victory in the word of God. God revealed him in many different ways during the Old Testament and in the New Testament time. You know, when, you ask, when I ask you to tell about how our God is, who our God is, you will say he is all-powerful God, he is almighty God, he is El Shaddai, he is an omnipresent God, he is an omniscient God, omnipotent God. You will go on and on, on and on, on and on. But this morning the question is, what is your personal revelation of God? What is the personal revelation you have about God? Do you have, you know, many Christians do not have that personal revelation about God. They know God because they are somebody else's saying that this is our God. They know God because Bible says they go through it. But you need a personal revelation about our God. Otherwise we cannot survive in this journey. In what way God revealed himself to you in a special way. He would have revealed you, revealed himself to you the time he called you. The time he found you, the time he spoke to you, the time he delivered you, Asa had a personal revelation of God. We never heard this revelation from anyone else in the past. Now let's go back to Asa's prayer, 2 Chronicles 14, 11. And Asa cried out to the Lord and he said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help. Can you read that again? Lord, it is nothing for you to help whether with many or with those who have no power help us. O Lord God, for we rest on you and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. What was the revelation here? What was the revelation Asa had? Asa said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help. In other words, Asa was saying, Lord, it is easy for you to help me in this situation. You know, that was the revelation that Asa had. We are talking about having a personal revelation that becomes a secret of our victory. You know, this is what Asa understood. Listen to me. It was nothing for God to make man out of the dust of the ground. It was just easy for God it was nothing for God. It was nothing for God to part the waters of the Red Sea so that the waters will rise as a wall on both sides and make his people walk on the dry ground. It was nothing for God. This is Asa's revelation on God. 
It was nothing for God to provide manna for people from heaven. It was just nothing for God. It was nothing for God to heal the diseases by sending his word. It was nothing for God to make a shepherd boy into the king of Israel. It was nothing for God to spoke a word and ask, call Lazarus to come out of the dead and back into life. It was nothing for God. If all these are nothing for you, Lord, it is nothing for you to help me to escape from this situation. A personal revelation that is ahead about our God. You know, God is mighty. God's ability is huge. And Asa had a revelation about our God and God's ability. Our revelation today has an ability to bring us out of the situation that we are in. Our revelation about God is able to bring a healing to our body. We need to rest, build the rest of our life on the revelation that God has given to you. It's very important. It's very important to understand our God in a very personal way, very intimate way. We are going to close. God gave a mighty victory to Asa. He have followed three different strategies. Shall we all stand? Three different strategies. Strategy number one. Let the enemy know that you are ready for the battle. So step out in faith. Let him know that you are ready. If it is something that is working against you, just let him know, let the situation know that you are able to, you are ready to face that situation. Strategy number two, settle your weaknesses with the Lord, not, but not with man, not with your enemies. Strategy number three, your personal revelation of God is a secret of the victory. Let's close our eyes.